Please be seated. And I invite you to turn in your Bibles or, or bulletins to John 10. You can find that on page 10 of your programs, John 10, 1 through 18. We are talking this morning about leadership. It's one of the fundamental human needs that we have, to be led well. Have you ever been led well? Everybody needs to be led well at every stage of their life. It's very obvious, you know, when, when we're young, we need our parents to lead us well. We need our, our mothers and fathers to, to nurture us and show us the way and model what it means to, to be a grown-up and help us find band-aids for our boo-boos and uh, help us work through our conflicts. And, um, but when we grow up, we join teams. You know, we'll, maybe we'll join a sports team or an arts team. You know, we need great coaches and great teachers to bring out the best in us and see what's there and... Uh, and make sure that we're flourishing not only individually, but as a team. I remember in high school, uh, what a difference it made uh, playing basketball when I actually had a good coach who, could, who knew the kind of conditioning we needed, who knew the, who knew the plays that we needed to, to, to run and to learn, who, who, who knew all the selfishness that needed to burn away in practices so that in the game, we could flourish as a team. And I finally saw the result of his fruitful and really good and wise leadership in the first game we played when we were executing our plays and the team were kind of befuddled and confusion like no other team had given them the kind of defense that we were taught um, by our incredibly great coach. Beyond that, when we start, we start uh, you know, learning and we start working, we need great teachers who can show us the way, who can distill knowledge in just the right way and we need uh, business leaders and people who can, can get, bring out the best in us in the workplace as well. Everything rises or falls on leadership, in the words of one pastor who thinks and talks a lot about leadership. Everything rises or falls on leadership, whether or not it's there and whether or not it's good. Do you have a compelling picture of what leadership looks like? Do you have a compelling picture on what leadership looks like? And do you have a compelling picture of what it would look like to be led by the living God? For God to not just be some category out there, uh, but for, for God to be, to be near you and to be leading you and to actually be interacting with you like a coach or a parent or a teacher would interact with you. But the best kind of leader. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said about himself, I am the good shepherd. And this metaphor this metaphor of a shepherd and a shepherd being good describes at its core the kind of leadership that you and I are craving in our life. Shepherd is uh, an odd metaphor in our culture. It's kind of a, can be a sentimental metaphor, like the fuzzy glowing Jesus with the soft lamb, kind of petting the lamb. And that's not the picture of a Middle Eastern shepherd. Middle Eastern shepherds are kingly and kind. They're kingly in the sense that they lead with courage and they guide with wisdom. They deliver the flock from all kinds of enemies and predators. And they find ways to provide both food and, uh, and drink in the desert. They're working 24-7. And in some cases, they're, they're, they're uh, going face-to-face, hand-to-hand with, with violent predators. 
Shepherds are kingly and they're, they're heroic for their sheep, but they're also kind. Shepherds are kind. Shepherds care about their sheep and, and they'll, they'll lay down their comfort for the good of the sheep. There's personal love. Kingly and kind. That's kind, the kind of leaders that we need are both kingly and kind. That's the kind of leader that Jesus claimed himself to be. The better we understand and pay attention to Jesus as the good shepherd, the more we will learn to hear his voice and follow him. Some of us right now aren't yet following him. We know about Jesus potentially. We've heard about him. But we have not yet crossed the line and said, yes, Jesus, you'll be my good shepherd. And I'll take the the life that you laid down for me. I I take that as my own. And so this morning, I want you to hear Jesus' words and consider afresh this man, whether or not it is this man, this God, who could lead you, would you give yourself to him? I'm gonna, uh, we'll open John 10, Jesus' claims about himself. Maybe this morning you'll be considering that afresh. Maybe you are following Jesus. He is your good shepherd. Um, but you have leadership in your life right now. You have responsibility in your life. You have, uh, you have influence, and you're not exactly sure how to use it. Maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel like you are being poorly led right now. When we are poorly led, it's hard to lead well. So this morning, I want potentially to to give you a couple of ways that you can follow Jesus in your own leadership. One or two ways that you can practically follow him in the influence that you have, whether it's official or unofficial. All of us need help in in our influence and in our leadership. So let's look at John 10. And we'll look at two qualities of Jesus. Number one, that he knows his sheep. And number two, that he really cares about his sheep. He cares enough to die for them. So in the first few verses of this chapter, Jesus is gonna describe a scene that is foreign to us, but it's very common in the Middle Eastern desert. He says in verse one, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way. That man is a thief and a robber. So here we have a picture of uh, a a sheep pen where there's a bunch of sheep and there's a kind of a stone gate that surrounds the sheep pen at all sides. And the stone gate likely has some kind of thorns that's placed on the top of it so that that thieves and robbers and, and predators like wolves can't scale it without hurting themselves. So it's a secured sheep pen, and there's one door. And that door is being watched by a watchman. And the only time the watchman lets anybody, uh, lets in any human people, he's letting in the shepherds. So Jesus is claiming to be the, the true shepherd, the good shepherd, that has access to the sheep pen. So let's continue to read and unpack this metaphor. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So he calls each of the sheep by name and leads them out. Now, the the most common scenario in the Middle East is that these sheep pens have lots of different shepherds. uh, uh, There's like a whole group of sheep, and say like a third of them belong to one shepherd, a third of them belong to shepherd number two, and a third of them belong to shepherd number three. Now, how are you going to separate them all? Because to us, they all look the same. It's like, you know, a bunch, a bunch of sheep that they all look the same. They're all bang the same way. And which ones belong to which shepherd? 
But the shepherd knows each single one of them. And he knows not only, generally speaking, which ones they are, but he knows them by name. One Westerner recalls with amazement how a Middle Eastern shepherd named Nasir could recognize his sheep in the dark. Um, so he's, observing, he's in the dark with the shepherd, with all the sheep, and it's, it's, it's dark. And here's what he says. Nasir, the shepherd, began to call them, uh, which was the lamb. They were, they were little lambs. He began to call them by name. And as each was allowed to come up, Nasir slipped the noose off of the young one's neck and gave it to its mother. He knew every mother and every lamb. He knew every mother and every lamb. Astonishingly, he called up each ewe and picked out her lamb in complete darkness and the pandemonium of all of the mothers baying and the lambs crying out for food. He could recognize each mother and each baby by the feel with his eyes shut. He could recognize every single mother and every single mother's lamb by feel with his eyes shut. Now, this is a shepherd who knows his sheep. That's the kind of shepherd that Jesus is claiming to be for us. He knows all of his sheep intimately. And not only that, they know him too. Verse four, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the stranger. So um, not all of the sheepfold belong to this particular shepherd. But he's like, hey, all of my sheep come this way. And he starts walking. Come on, guys, let's go, Bill and Fred and Susan, or whatever he calls his sheep. And they, and they follow. Only the ones that belong to him follow. Everyone else stays in the sheep pen. So not only does he know the sheep, they know his voice. And so only the ones that belong to him come out. And you can still go over to the Middle East and observe this happening. Only the sheep that know the shepherd are the ones that follow him. So let's take a moment to consider this claim that Jesus made for himself. Whether you're a skeptic or whether you're a longtime Christian or some combination of the two or anything in between, here's what Jesus is claiming. He's claiming, I know you better than anybody knows you. Therefore, I have the right to lead you like a shepherd leads his sheep. Can you imagine if our leaders knew us better? If any of the people who led you knew you better, imagine uh, your elected representative to Congress. If he was a personal or if she was a personal friend of yours, maybe he or she watched you grew up and went to all your family gatherings. And it was like a close personal friend. They were there at all of your birthdays. Imagine if they were writing policy based on what they knew your problems were. Can you imagine if they knew all of their, all of whatever half a million people that they represented? Can you imagine the, the, the quality of decisions that would come out of Congress if every member knew their people as well as Jesus is claiming to know us? Imagine if your department head or supervisor invited you to join them and their family for dinner once a week. Or maybe they came to your house. How much better would they lead you? I remember one time this happened in college. I was taking uh, Greek from a professor. I was taking like everything. His name is John Lonsman. He's an amazing professor. And he's just like this Greek god to me. I mean, he just knew so much. He was such a great teacher. 
And, um, and uh, I'll never forget the time when he invited our, our class over to his house for a Christmas party. And, and I sat in like, uh, we called him the Dalai Lanzma because he was just so revered. <laughs> I remember sitting down in his living room and opening up his family album and seeing a picture of him in high school. He had like a long flowing blonde mullet in high school. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I know him so much better now. And the bond that was formed in that year, we had a smaller class that year, the bond that was formed between student and teacher was such that we, that we just, we learned so much from him. Imagine if, if, if our leaders knew us that well. Jesus is claiming, I know you that well. I know you that well. Human leaders, you know, we're limited in how much we can know people that we influence. But nevertheless, we do long to be known by our leaders, don't we? The people who lead us, we want them to know us. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. He was disclosing through this metaphor and through this word that, that he knows everything about us. He's been present at every moment in our life. He knows our names and what those names mean to us. He knows our unique callings. He knows our unique pressures. He knows what impacts us. He knows what motivates us. You know, one way of looking at this is that Jesus is the most qualified person to write your biography. Jesus could write a masterful biography of your life. And even just within the first few pages of reading the biography that Jesus wrote about your life, you would learn so much. It would be so moving, because he knows you better than you know yourself. And he, he knows all the nuances that led to be, you becoming who you are. All the great things, all the hurtful things. He understands you completely, and he loves you completely. The good shepherd knows his sheep, and his sheep learn to know him. They come to know his voice. And out of this knowledge comes leadership. Out of this listening comes leadership. Out of this bond comes leadership. So the good shepherd knows his sheep better than anyone else knows them, even better than they know themselves. Not only that, but he cares about his sheep. He cares about his sheep enough to sacrifice for them. Um, let's read verses 7 through 10. Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Okay, so now he's becoming the guardian of the sheep. He's mixing his metaphors. He's allowed to do that. So am I. Um, verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And Jesus here is referencing some of the, some of the, the terrible leaders that Israel had to, to live under. I am the door, verse nine. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Our good shepherd cares deeply about us. He cares more than any other leader cares about us. Tim Laniac is a biblical scholar from Gordon-Conwell, and he spent a lot of time in the Middle East living and working with shepherds. His specialty is studying ancient Near Eastern shepherding. And so he's, he's been to Jordan, he's been to Israel and the Sinai, 
and he, he would interview all these shepherds and he would live with them, he would do life with them, and one of his most common questions was, what does it take to be a shepherd? What does it really take to be a shepherd? And um, here's how one Bedouin shepherd named Abu Jamal responded. He, the, the Bedouin shepherd responded this way, what really matters is that you have a heart for it. What really matters is that you have a heart for it. If you do, you can begin tomorrow. And then during this conversation, Dr. Laniac and um, Abu Jamal were talking, and um, Tim Laniac's son, Jesse, was outside playing with some of the sheep. He was like, he was just out there interacting with some of the sheep. And Abu Jamal looked at Tim Laniac and said, I can see that your son cares. He said, you know what? My sons don't care, and I'm not going to give them the job. I'm not going to entrust my sheep to my, son, my own sons because I can tell they don't care. But looking at your son, I can tell he cares. And then he was like, does your son want the job? <laughs> he offered him 200 sheep, a wife, and a good Jordanian education. <laughs> and so, so he turned it down. But, <laughs> but you know, Jesus has a heart for shepherding us. He cares about the job. He's not in it for, for, for anything else besides his mission and his love for us. He said it. He said, I'm the door. He said, if anyone comes through me, they'll find pasture. I've come so that they will have life and have it abundantly. He's not just getting by with his shepherding responsibilities. He, he, he's not in this for the money. He's not in this for the fame. He really cares. And that's one of the qualities that makes him such a model leader. A hired hand is some, uh, someone he's comparing his leadership to a hired hand. I don't know if you ever, have you ever worked for a hired hand? Have you ever lived under a hired hand? Have you ever interacted with a hired hand? What sets hired hands apart? They're in it for the paycheck. They're in it for the paycheck. They're in it for the benefits. That's, that's really, you get down to it, that's the emotional core of what's motivating their leadership. They don't truly care about the people that they're working under uh, other than the fact that it impacts their bottom line. So they treat shepherd, sheep like disposable as, uh, assets. Here's the thing. Wolves come after sheep. Wolves come after sheep. And Jesus himself said, yeah, when the wolf comes, here's what a hired hand does. Throws a sheep overboard and then runs. Because if he can run fast enough while the wolf is devouring the sheep, the hired hand gets off and escapes. By contrast, the good shepherd offers loving and sacrificial and attentive concern, not only so that his sheep will survive, but so that they will flourish. Verse 9, he says he's the door. He's, he's meaning that he's, he's putting his body at the entrance to the sheep. He is a protective shield for his sheep. He's like the mom or the dad that stays awake until 2 a.m. until we get home. Anybody have a mom or a dad like that? They stayed awake. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> You won't be out till 2 a.m., sir. (laughs) 
Jesus wants to save us from the predators, and there are predators. There are human predators. There are other kinds of predators in our world. And do you know how much Jesus has stood in between you and the predators? Before, without you even knowing it, before you even realized it. The thief, he says, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So we've got, we've got the hired hand, okay, bad leader number one, in it for the paycheck. Then we have the thief, and the thief is evil. The hired hand might just be a foolish person or a selfish person, but the thief, you know, he's really an evil person. And there's a lot of thieves out there, too. They're bent on evil. They're bent on destruction. And unless a leader stands in between us and the thief, we're going to suffer at the hands of the thief. And that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. He stood in between us and the ultimate thief, the devil himself, the greatest wolf there is. And he let himself be devoured and pierced, and he took on our weaknesses, and he took on our infirmities. He threw himself in the path of the wolf. And you know why he did that? He did that because he cared. He did that because he knew. He knew that we needed that kind of leadership. He knew we needed that kind of, that, that, uh, that kind of uh, self-giving power. That's exactly what he offered. He was kingly on the cross, and he was kind on the cross. That's exactly what we needed. That's how much he cared. And he's coming not only for that, but for our abundant life. You know, shepherds, as I mentioned before, they're working all the time. As one scholar noted, when it looks like a shepherd's just sort of idly looking at the sheep, his mind is, is thinking about all of the different, and thinking through all of the different scenarios. How am I going to get them to, to pasture? How am I going to get them to running water? How am I going to protect them from wolves? How am I going to, to mend all of, the, uh, all of the injuries that they accumulate? Only a shepherd who cares will go through all that trouble. That's why Abu Jamal was like, I'm not going to hire my sons. Because ultimately, if you don't care, you're not going to follow through on leadership if, uh, of the sheep. Jesus followed through. He gave his very life, and he continues to give his life to us. In his resurrection, he continues to pour himself out for us. Here we have a combination of deep knowledge and deep concern. As Jesus put his life and livelihood on the line, coming between us and the wolf, pouring out his life so that we would have it abundantly. So if you're, not here, if you're here and you're not following Jesus, I want you to know this is the best and, and really you, this is an essential leader that you cannot afford to not follow. How will you stand on the day of judgment? without this good shepherd leading you, laying down his life for you. You won't be able to. You need him. You need him to advocate for you, and you need him to forgive your sins. And on the other end of that forgiveness, you're going to need him to lead you into life and to flourishing. Consider afresh Jesus Christ as your leader. You can, even this morning, say, Jesus Christ, you are the good shepherd. I wanna be one of your sheep. And then take the next step in faith to follow him. Maybe you're here and um, you uh, want to be a true leader, a, a good shepherd. You don't want to be a thief. You don't want to be just a hired hand. Maybe you, you maybe even feel that inside of you. There's a side of you that is kind of a hired hand. Or maybe there's a side of you that just doesn't know what to do with the influence that you have, the children that you have, 
the team that looks to you, the influence uh, that you're called to steward. So what are you supposed to do if you're following Jesus as a leader? Let me give you uh, two opportunities to follow the good shepherd. Number one, learn, to, learn your people. Know your people as Jesus knows them. So think about the people that look to you for influence. Jesus knows them better than anyone else. And you could pick up some of that knowledge if you follow the good shepherd in his style of leadership. So know your people. Um, here are some ideas for that. Choose someone on your staff to take out to lunch. Let them choose the location. Ask them about their hometown, their family, their neighborhood. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a loving curiosity about the person that you lead. Maybe it's your students. I'm always surprised what I learn when I take one of my kids on a road trip or even just half an hour down the street um, at Starbucks. Um, I'm always amazed what happens when, when I have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone that I'm responsible for leading, and I thought I knew their world, but it turns out there's like layers of knowledge that I just didn't have until I had that conversation. So maybe there's a step that you can take to know the people that you're responsible for leading in a way that Jesus knows them. Number two, care for your people as Jesus cares for his sheep. Care for your people as Jesus cares for his sheep. This begins with a prayer. Jesus, how might I personally sacrifice so that this person I'm leading can have abundant life? How can I personally sacrifice so that the person that I'm leading can flourish like they haven't flourished before so that they can have abundant life? I'll give you an example. When I was in high school, I worked the evening shift at Walmart. And when you work the evening shift, the way that it works, the way that it worked at least back in the 90s, is that um, at 10 o'clock, the store closed but I couldn't leave until my department was zoned. And zoning is when you take all of the, you know, throughout all the day that like people are grabbing merchandise, right? So it messes everything up. The, 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 the shelves are just a complete mess. And so it was my responsibility for the lawn and garden department, which I was working, to like, to like make it look nice. But that, I mean, it's like lots of shelves, more shelves than you would think. And... <laughs> And so, and so, but I was not allowed to go home and get in my cozy bed until everything was zoned. And the way that I got out of it, the way that I finally got released was that the, the manager on duty, the assistant manager, the store manager who was on duty, you call them and they come check your work and they're like, okay, you're good, you can go home. We had this one manager uh, named Woody and I'll never forget Woody because sometimes... Um, Woody would come by and I, before I even called him and he would just stand next to me and help me zone. And sometimes he would say, you know what, Aaron? You're good to go. You go home. And Woody, though he didn't get paid a cent more for staying late, he sent me home. He let me get more sleep and he took it on himself. He took the sacrifice on himself so that I could have an abundant night's sleep, as it were. I've never forgotten what he's sacrificing. Was it just me? He had, it was his reputation among all of the hourly employees. That's what God is like. When Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he was helping us see how God leads his people. And it turns out that God, the living God, through the incarnate Christ, leads his people in a very individual and caring and loving way. 
without losing an ounce of his kingly dignity. That's how God leads. Now, can you imagine following a leader like that, number one? Can you imagine becoming a leader like that, number two? Can you imagine a whole community of people following Jesus that were being, that were being formed into this style of leadership? If we all began to lead in this way, we learned the people that we were responsible for, we cared so much about them, we found creative ways that we could sacrifice to the people that we know and love, what, that might, what might that mean for our school system in Chicago? What might that mean for, uh, for our workplaces here, for our families, for our missional communities? It would be transformative because everything rises and falls on leadership, and this is what Jesus does. He fills his church with his spirit, and he gives us the capacity to follow him in sacrificial leadership that is caring and that is kingly. So let's begin this prayer together. Jesus, apprentice me. Apprentice us. Give me curiosity and a way to personally sacrifice to the people that you care about so that they can have abundant life. I invite you to pray with me. O oh God, whose son Jesus is the good shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.